This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate your watching today. We are so excited to know that there are hundreds, thousands of people actually that are watching right now. We want you to continue to stay tuned today as we're going to continue a theme that we started about two programs ago, Navigating Life's Troubled Waters. We hope that you'll stay tuned today because I believe this is going to give you some courage, some strength, some, some hope for the future. Sometimes we look around at our world and we see the things that are going on and many people want to throw up their hands in despair and say, well, what can we do? Well, I believe there's a way out. I believe there's something that can be done. I believe there's hope. I believe there's a way to face the future with courage and confidence and strength. Stay tuned as we discuss that subject today. Now, on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. And we have many who have availed themselves of this opportunity. As a matter of fact, we have students in many foreign countries. We have students in all of the states in the United States people that are studying the Bible in the privacy of your home. Now let me say this to some of you who have called in and you've gotten the course and you've not taken the time to study the course. But let, let me encourage you to, to just sit down. It won't take you very long to go through the course and study it and to finish it and then grade it. Then we'll send it back to us for grading and, and once you've completed the course, we're going to send you a certificate of completion. But we want you to have the course. If you're not familiar with this, we want you to know more about the Bible Correspondence Course, that it is free. And in order that you may know a little more about it and how to receive it, let's pause at this time. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, Write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading from Mark, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 35, and I'll read through verse 41. And the same day... When the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, Carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, 
What manner of man is this that even the, the wind and the sea obey him? It was Thomas Paine who said back in the 1700s, these are times that try men's souls. All people get tried, regardless of what age in which you live. Man that is born of woman is a few days and, and he's full of trou trouble. And the solution for us is to have Christ in our life under the figure of a metaphor. He is our lifeline. And Jesus Christ is the one who can save us in life's troubled waters. And every day we are to walk with Him. But sometimes as we walk with Christ, we wonder when the waves around us are so fierce, when the problems around us are so great, when the challenges are so demanding, we wonder, how will I survive? How am I going to, to navigate in the troubled waters of life? I want to suggest three things today on our telecast that, that I believe will help us. First of all, we must have confidence. We must have some confidence. Confidence in God Himself. In the 27th chapter of Acts, Paul was on a ship and he was on his way to Rome. Paul had already been on three journeys, missionary journeys, all, all over the then known world, establishing congregations of, of the Lord's church. But now he was on a fourth journey as a prisoner, and he was on his way to Rome. And, it, and there was a storm that arose. The sailors were frightened. And Paul said to them, Sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Well, what were you told, Paul? God told Paul, you're going to go to Rome. You're going to Rome. You're bound for Rome, and there will not be any loss of life. You see, Paul had confidence in God. The psalmist had confidence in God in Psalms 11 and 1 when he said, In the Lord put I my trust. That's confidence. Listen to Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12. I know in whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. That's confidence. Listen to Paul in Romans the third chapter in verse 4. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's confidence in God. We need the confidence of Abraham. In Romans 4.20, Paul said, He staggered not at the promise of God for unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory unto God, for he was persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. Abraham had such confidence in God. In 1 John 5 and 4, we're told that whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith, that is our confidence in God. In 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence that we have in Him. That, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. See, all of these verses are telling us to have confidence in God. But what is there about God in which we ought to have some confidence? I, I think we ought to have confidence in His presence. 
Do you ever feel alone? One lady told me, Brother Lambert, I may live alone, but I'm never lonely. And none of us should ever be lonely because Jesus said, I'm with you always, Matthew 28, 20. I, I will never leave you nor forsake you, Hebrews 13, 5. You see, there is His constant presence with us. And in our darkest hour, He is there. We're in the valley, He's there. When, when the fire of suffering, He's there. When we're on the mountaintop rejoicing over some accomplishment in life, He's there. There's never a time that He leaves you and turns His back upon you. We need to have confidence that God is with us every step of the way. David had that kind of confidence when he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Yeah, that's confidence to the very end, isn't it? We also need to have confidence in the very existence of God. Do you really believe God exists? I know some people do not believe God exists. But, but let me ask you, I want you to imagine that, that I have in my hand here a small cardboard box. Try to envision that I have in my hand a small cardboard box. Suppose that someone were to tell you that a cardboard box came into existence by accident. Well, someone says, well, you know, Brother Lambert, something like that could not happen. You know that someone had to make a cardboard box because it just has all of the evidence of someone building it or making it or designing that cardboard box. So we understand that about a cardboard box. But how is it that some people cannot understand when we look at all of the design and all of the precision of our world and our universe and our galaxy and all of the galaxies and the universes beyond ours, all of the precision, all of the design, and then they want to say, well, all of that's accidental. There's a designer and that designer is God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth His handiwork. There is no way that you can observe nature, that you can observe the, the heavens above, the earth beneath, and all things therein, and not see that there was a master designer, the master architect, and that's God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We need to have confidence in His very existence. And if we have a confidence in God's existence, then we will have confidence in His presence. But we also need to have some confidence in, in His ability, in His power. He, he is not a weak God. He, he is a God who is powerful, who is mighty. Hebrews 7.25 says He is able to save. How much? To the ut uttermost. He is able to save us to the uttermost thoroughly and completely. 2 Timothy 1.12 says He's able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. Ephesians 3.20 says He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. He's a capable God. He is a God of power. Folks, we need to have some confidence in a God like that. I know we're living in troublous times. I know we're living in unsettling days. I know we're living in times where many people say that there is no such thing as a God. You know, some people, uh, some of the people want to get on television and make sport of God and make light of God and make fun of God. 
I've often thought that when people do that, that deep down inside they, they must feel so small and so little to make fun of God who made them in His image. But we need to have confidence in God's, not only His presence, but His very existence and His power. And if we believe in His existence and in His presence, surely we can believe in the power of God and that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, Philippians 4.13. And we need to have confidence in God's care. Do you really believe that He cares? Well, He cares for all of us and and He provides for those who are His children. Well, He even makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust and the, and the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. And Just imagine we have two people standing here beside me and one of them is a believer and one of them is an unbeliever. Both of those persons are going to re- receive some of the very same blessings from God. Well, there are some blessings that God gives only to those who are obedient believers in Him. Those who are His children, and those who are spiritual in nature. Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are the called according to His purpose. And it's only people who love God, and when you love God, you obey God. You do what He tells you to do. And, And those who love God have God's care, His providential care, in their lives. I'm not talking about something that God does outside the realm of His established law. I'm talking about something that God does for us and in our lives on our behalf because He cares. Casting all of your care on Him. 1 Peter 5, 7. For He cares for you. And He is a God of grace and we need to have some confidence in His grace. We're saved by His grace, Titus 2.11, Ephesians 2.8. Grace is God's unmerited favor. There isn't anything that I can do that you can do to put God in debt to you, to put God in debt to me, so that He would owe us salvation. He doesn't owe us one thing. And in spite of our sinfulness, in, in spite of the way we were, He sent His Son into this world to die for us. And we are saved by His grace when we accept the sacrifice that was given on our behalf. We're saved by grace when we accept the terms of pardon that are found in the Bible. Someone says, well, I believe you're just saved by believing. We are saved by believing, but not believing only. In John 8, 24 said, I said, therefore, that ye shall die in your sins. If you believe not that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. Now, the reason I'm saying that we're saved by believing, but not believing only, is because Jesus said we're also saved by repentance. In Luke 13 and 3, I tell you, neighbor, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. But we're not saved simply because we believe and repent of our sins, because it is essential that we be willing to acknowledge our faith in Jesus. Like a man in Acts the 8th chapter who even asked the question, why can't I be baptized? And he was told, if you believe you can. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you believe in Jesus? You see, we need to have confidence in God's grace that when I believe and when I repent and I confess my faith, that He can save me. But 
He does not save me simply because I believe and repent of my sins and confess that I believe. I must be baptized. Paul in Galatians 3, 26 and 27 said, For you are all the children of God. How? By faith. Where? In Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have put on Christ or were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. And we put Christ on in the waters of baptism. And so we can be saved by God's grace. And we need to have confidence in that grace. And when God saves us by His grace, He does a thorough job of it. You're not halfway saved. You're completely saved. When God forgives our sins, He completely removes them and He forgets about them. We may not forget. Others may not forget, but God does. Hebrews 8 and 12 says, I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Confidence in God. We, we need to have confidence in Him today. But let me mention a second thing in which we ought to have confidence. We need confidence in other people. I know sometimes people let us down. And I know the Bible says in Psalms 118 and verse 9 that it's better to trust in the Lord than to have confidence in princes. And it is better to put our confidence in God. But we still need to have some measure of confidence in other people. I like to believe the best about people until they prove to me that my confidence in them is unwarranted. But Paul had confidence in Timothy. In Philippians 2.20, he said, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. That's confidence, isn't it? He had such confidence in Timothy that he couldn't find anyone else that'd rather send to the church over in Philippi than Timothy. Jesus had confidence in Peter. In Luke 22, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan had desired to have thee, that, that he may sift thee as wheat, but I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And then he said, when you're converted, you strengthen the brethren. Jesus knew Peter was going to falter. He, he knew that he was going to, to deny him. He was going to follow far off and the like. But Jesus still had great confidence in Peter. And that confidence was warranted because it was this man, Peter, who preached the first gospel sermon to the Jewish world on the day of Pentecost recorded in the second chapter of Acts. Confidence. We need to have confidence in pe people. I know sometimes people can, can let us down. Uh, I heard the story about the young paratrooper. He had been in training, but he had never been in an airplane. To jump out of an airplane before, he would always been off some platform that he would jump off of. And so his first jump was coming up. And so he was, had his parachute on, and he was told right before he jumped out of the airplane... Be sure to pull this cord. If it doesn't work, you pull this cord. This is the emergency cord. And there'll be a truck down there to pick you up. He jumped out of the plane, pulled the first cord, didn't work, nothing happened. He pulled the second cord, nothing happened. And as he plunged toward earth, he muttered to himself, I bet the truck's not down there either. Well, sometimes people let us down. But we need to still try to have confidence in people. We need to have some confidence in one another in our homes. If a husband doesn't have any confidence in his wife, you're in trouble, buddy. 
And if you don't have confidence in your husband, ma'am, you're in some serious trouble. We, we must have this mutual trust and this mutual confidence in our families if we're going to survive. In Proverbs 31, talking about a good woman, it is said, the heart of her husband does safely trust in her. That is, he's got confidence in her. And, and, and that confidence is earned by, by the way that we live and the way we treat one another is how we develop this trust between people. But if you don't have any confidence in one another, you're in serious trouble. We need to have confidence in our children. Well, I know sometimes our children let us down. Sometimes our children do things that disappoint us. But you don't need to go the rest of your life not trusting them. You, you, you need to allow them to regain that trust. Confidence. Confidence. Friend, if you're going to navigate the troubled waters in this old world, you'd better develop some confidence. Confidence in, in, in God. Confidence in other people. But then a third thing you need to develop is confidence in yourself. I'm not talking about an arrogance. I'm not talking about a haughty spirit. I'm not talking about a person who is, who is, uh, acts in such a way that it's just distasteful to be around them. You know what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about a, a, a feeling of confidence that we can have as Christians that when we have God on our side and we are in Jesus Christ, that nothing that is right can be restrained from us that we attempt to do. Listen to Paul in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You see, our sufficiency is of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And God is our refuge, and God is our strength, Psalm 46 and verse number 1. We receive our strength to accomplish things in life from Jesus Christ. I don't have any strength of my own. I really don't have any of my own. No inward strength of my own. If I tried to go on my own inward strength, it would lead me astray. It would lead me into paths that were not paths of righteousness. But we need our strength to come from a higher source. And that higher source is God Almighty. God is our refuge. God is our strength as we navigate life's troubled waters. And we need to have confidence in ourselves that with Jesus Christ we can overcome. We can overcome any obstacle that comes in our path. We, we can overcome sorrow. Some of you that are watching right now maybe have lost a loved one and you're bowed down in sorrow. Your heart feels like it will just absolutely break into pieces like a stone that has been hit with a hammer. But with, with Jesus Christ, you'll be able to endure that sorrow and you can overcome Time has a way of helping us to overcome even things like sorrow. And we will have the strength to overcome temptation as it knocks on our door. There is not a person watching right now 
There's not a person that's under the hearing of my voice, including your speaker, that is exempt from temptation in this life. Now, I would remind you that God is not the one who does the tempting. Satan is the great tempter. James 1 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God is not tempted with evil, neither tempteth he in a man. And so God is not the one doing the tempting. But when we are tempted, then we have the strength through Jesus Christ to overcome temptation. Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. In other words, other people are tempted in the same way. And he says, and God is faithful. Who will not suffer you? Who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able? You see, we need to have some confidence in what we can do with the strength that the Jesus Christ gives to us. We can overcome temptation. And we can also overcome some enslaving habit that you might have. Oh, there are a lot of habits today. There are a lot of habits I, I see young men walking down the street sometime and in their hip pocket, I, I, I see a bulge on their hip pocket of their jeans it is, it, and it's in a circular form and, and I doubt that they have their money in that pocket. I know they have their dip in that pocket. I've even seen some young ladies with dip in their pocket. There are a lot of things that can enslave us. I, it, it may be that you're, you're a gossiper. And you're enslaved to God with strength that Jesus gives us. You can overcome an enslaving habit and you can cast it aside. And you can say goodbye, goodbye to that habit forever. And we can overcome disappointment. You can overcome depression. You can overcome anxiety because Jesus Christ is the one who gives us strength. Listen to Paul again. I can do all things... Through Christ, which strengthens me. Confidence. Confidence in God. Confidence in others. And confidence in the strength that we can have in Jesus Christ. Confidence. Confidence that we can be forgiven of our sins. God wants to forgive you of your sins. That's the reason He gave His Son on the cross of Calvary, that you might be forgiven. I'd urge you as a believer in Jesus to be willing to repent of your sins, to be willing as a penitent, confessing believer in Jesus Christ to be baptized for the remission of those sins. And you can have the confidence right now that if you will do that, then God will forgive you of your sins. You say, well, you don't know the sins that I've committed. You don't know how bad I've been. Regardless, He can forgive. Would you not think on these things? Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, 
or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible Correspondence Course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. This is a free call. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. I need to know